1: world's richest race on tap, the $12 million Pegasus World Cup Invitational, what looks to be a rematch of Arrogate and California Chrome. That has been the hype. Nonetheless, there's six graded or Group 1 winners in the stake, so it'll be interesting to see. uh, I'm going to guess who's going to round out your Superfecta, because those two sure look like the heavyweight champs. It'll be interesting, and uh, we're bringing on board for this big race one of the top handicappers in North America. You watch him all the time on DRF Live, and that would be Dan Illman. He's going to be joining us from New York. And then um, our first guest, he's a first-time starter, gentlemen's name is Ryan Brady. Seems like he pops up everywhere I go, whether it be uh, the finish line uh, with American Pharaoh uh, w- winning his swan song race or uh, at a small track uh, in Ohio, a uh, stallion showcase somewhere. And Whenever I turn around, Ryan Brady seems to be there. And I want to learn a little bit about his entrance into the game that's led to ownership, but a very interesting project that's come up in recent months. And that is the search for Ohio's Iron Lady. Her name was Glacial Princess. She was a two-time horse of the year. She was buried, they believe, at Beulah Park. But Beulah Park, of course, has been closed. It's now pretty much called Mahoning Valley. It's been moved. So uh, Beulah shuttered, and uh, they're scheduled for development. And we want to make sure that nothing happened uh, to her memory, that she wasn't cemented over. There was a headstone there. So uh, Ryan headed up this... Uh, uh, group of interesting people and uh, archaeologists uh, to uh, search for Ohio's Iron Lady, Glacial Princess. We'll be talking to him about that and about uh, his entrance into racing and what we need to do to keep young guys like him in the game. Well, of course, uh, the... uh, Pegasus is going to be run at Gulfstream Park. I believe there's seven stakes on the program. We're going to look at two others with Dan, the WL McKnight on the grass and also going a mile and an eight, the same distance as the Pegasus World Cup. A couple of horses that were perhaps hoping to get in there. Stanford looks like the standout in there, but it's with great card. Means a big pool means a chance for you to cash big tickets through winning ponies. So you got to come on over and check out the easy win forms. And I'll just give you some Gulfstream uh, samples. As a matter of fact, uh, today we had a one dollar Super Five box that paid three thousand three hundred and eleven dollars. Uh, earlier in the week, we had a one dollar. Super 5 box at Gulfstream that paid 2540 And on the 16th, a $1 tri key that paid a whopping 4742 it's as easy as going to Winning Ponies and pulling down your easy win forms. So the, the big racing at Gulfstream, as far as the stakes action, there is, of course, good action out at Santa Anita with the California Cup Derby and the California Cup Turf Classic and the California Cup Oaks out at Santa Anita. Uh, so uh, there's good racing all over the U.S. Make sure you pull down your easy win forms. Okay, drum roll, please. 2016 Horse of the Year, never in doubt, I didn't think, California Chrome got the job done. It was announced at the 46th Annual Eclipse Awards. So uh, we'll get to see the Horse of the Year perform one last time before he goes to a happy retirement at stud fee at Taler Made Farm. So uh, California Chrome first two-time horse of the year to win the honor in non-consecutive years since John Henry achieved it in nineteen eighty one and eighty four. <coughs> They say that California chrome is not going to leave anything in the tank in the Pegasus, so it's going to be a very, very interesting race. Let's take a look at the Eclipse Award winners. Uh, most of them, there really wasn't much room for debate. The two-year-old male, classic empire. Two-year-old filly, champagne room. Three-year-old male, slam dunk, Arrowgate, And the three-year-old filly, of course, went to songbird. California Chrome also claimed older dirt male. Of course, the older dirt female in a great swan song in the Breeders' Cup holder The male sprinter was DeFront. Female sprinter, finest city that we saw in action last week. Male turf horse, I think there's much of a doubt here, Flintshire. And, of course, the female turf horse was Teppan. What a campaign she had from coast to coast and even across the pond. Uh, the leading owner was Judmont Bar- Farm. The leading breeder, Windstar Farm. Javier Castellano took top jock. And the new kid on the block, apprentice jockey, Louis Ocasio and Chad Brown, took the top trainer honors. Of course, uh, there was the uh, 2016 NTRA moment of the year. I thought it was going to be Beholder and Songbird, but the fans voted and they gave it to California Chrome for his Dubai World Cup win. You may recall that the saddle slipped on Victor Espinoza in that race and he still got the job done. And that race did push his career bankroll to 12532000 which surpassed Curlin's previous mark. Well, we talked about it last week. It looked like they were going to lift the ban on keeping horses at the fairgrounds, but Gunrunner still denied entry in the Pegasus World Cup. Uh, David Fiske of... Gunrunner connection said it really wasn't that much of a surprise. Even though he tested negative, it just looks like the uh, officials at Gulfstream aren't ready to take the chance of bringing horses in uh, that uh, may have been exposed to the virus. So, uh, Gunrunner, even though he was training up to this race as if he was going to run in it, will not be in the race. Now, I believe it's ABCs going to start their coverage of the twelve million dollar Pegasus World Cup for. 30 on Saturday, but if you can't get near a TV, you can pick it up through our friends at Horse Racing Radio Network. They're going to be going live from 4 to 6. Of course, that's uh, www.horseracing.com. Okay, that's uh, horse racing radio network if you're looking to listen to the race other than that hope you can watch it at a racetrack this late breaking news this just came out we got it from steve anderson out at san anita not long ago an hour and a half ago jockey drayden van dyke was taken to Huntington hospital in nearby pasadena after being involved in a two-horse spill in today's fourth race at san anita he was on the pace setter when the filly broke down uh, and then there was a horse trailing, rally back, who could not avoid the fallen horse and unseated jockey Chantel Sutherland. Good news Chantel was on her feet a few moments after the spill and walked off. But Van Dyke is going in for observation. Of course, he was the champion apprentice jockey of 2014. We wish him nothing but the best. The kid is on fire. Good news out of the jockey colony. How about Robbie Alvarado? He reached his career milestone. He's going to be Jockey of the Week. He got to win number 5,000. Only 33 jockeys in the history of the game have done that. Uh, He did it at the fairgrounds. Uh, He had six scheduled mounts that day and got the pressure off early by winning on his very first mount. Of course, uh, uh, Alvarado uh, had a good weekend. He also won the grade three Lecompte Stakes uh, with guest suite. We'll be covering that in our race results uh, section here shortly. And uh, so what can I say? Another one of the fantastic uh, Cajun riders. Uh, right now, Robbie's the fourth leading rider at the fairgrounds and uh, he is 13th in all North American jockeys in this year with earnings of four hundred and seventy-seven thousand. Lifetime earnings now. Let's turn back the clock. 205,995. And of course, uh, it was good that it happened at the fairgrounds because he is a Louisiana native. Won his first race at Evangeline Downs in 1990 and his first stake at Louisiana Downs in 1993. So uh, his, his only victory in a Triple Crown race was with Curlin. Of course, he went over and won in Dubai with Curlan. Uh But uh, all we can say is it's just an amazing career. Congratulations to to Robbie Alvarado. All right, uh, right now you can actually bet on the handicappers. That's right, the Maven, <laughs> David Gutfried, is uh, in, in the tournament. And right now he's favored among the individuals in the National Handicap Ch- Championship at 40 to 1. Also, a couple of uh, guests that we've had over the months uh, defending a National Handicapping Champion, uh, Paul Maddies, and 2015 Tour winner, Jonathan Kitchen were opening co-favorites at fifty to one, but the Maven jumps him right now. He's forty to one, so you can bet on the handicappers. Now uh, we announced a couple weeks ago that Lord Nelson was going to be retired to Spendthrift Farm. Sad to say, he's going to have to miss the 2017 breeding season that would have been his first. Uh, they say that uh, he is developed laminitis uh, secondary to an infection, and that's what caused him to miss the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And they're not going to take any chances. They're going to make sure he's 100%. And so they've already announced that. Uh, rather than tie up somebody's mares hoping they'd get to him, that he will not breed in the 2017 season. Also, in breeding news, Keen Ice. We're going to get to see him take on Arrogate and California Chrome on Saturday. And he's going to be uh, retired to Calumet Farm. Of course, uh, Keen Ice, believe it or not, is eligible for non-winners of three. And uh, he's had quite a, quite a career. He dances every dance. But he did dance the dance where he beat American Pharaoh, the uh, only horse to defeat Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh in his three-year-old season. So uh, D- Donegal Stable owns them. Uh Keen Ice, he's by Curlin, who's been very, very hot. And he got, again, two-time winner, career earnings of $2.3 million. And love the chase. Does that sound like a familiar name? Well, you're going to get to see one of her babies run this weekend. That's right. Her baby is California Chrome. And uh, it looks like she had a beautiful uh it foal. It was a colt born at Atlas Farm in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And uh, word is that uh, this year she will be bred to pioneer of the nile of course the sire of triple crown winner american pharaoh Let's take a look right now at some of the results from last week. Of course, our friend Rich Eng from Las Vegas was our guest, and we went out to Santa Anita. Sad to say that the field came up a little short for the Santa Monica, that grade two race, going seven furlongs. Weather came in. It was scheduled for the main track anyhow. It was a wet, fast, sealed track. But Finest City, uh, it pretty much for most of the race, it, it was a two-horse race between Finest City and Fantastic Style, Again, fine a city. Uh, Hadn't been out since her win in the Breeders' Cup, Philly and Mare Sprint. That race at seven furlongs. This race at seven furlongs. After going neck and neck for a while, she just pulled away in the lane by three and three quarters. So it'll be interesting to watch her for the rest of the season. Again, fantastic style was second. In third was sheer pleasure. Then we went to the fairgrounds. Uh, Two horses that had oaks and derby points for the silver bullet day, this one for the ladies, uh, favored at four to five was Farrell, a way Catalano trainee, ridden by his son-in-law, Channing Hill, who pulled away to win by two and three quarter lengths, gets 10 points for the Derby. Uh, in the second spot was Wicked Lick, a nice rally. And third was gree who set the pace and got a little bit tired. Uh, Untappables, full sister, untapped. Kind of ran a dull race, came up empty. A lot of people disappointed there with the Steve Asmussen trainee, but we'll see if uh, uh, she can't bounce back. In the boys' division, it was guest suite. That's right, Neil Howard back on the running track. Of course, we said Robbie Alvarado was in the saddle. Slight favorite, rated well, rallied, won by a length and a quarter over untrapped, a Steve Asmussen-trained trap shot Colt and in the third spot was takeoff so again uh, we'll be tracking those horses when we take a closer look at the leaderboard in the Oaks and Derby but right now uh, Farrell has moved to the three spot into the Oaks and it looks like uh, uncontested a Catalano trainee uh, moved in to fourth while Guess Sweet is in number 11 in the standings okay that's a look at the national news and uh, a good tease uh, for the pegasus world cup invitational coming up next the guy that loves the game of racing ryan brady we're going to get to meet him for the first time you're listening to winning ponies
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart.
1: All right, and with us right now, a first-time starter on Winning Ponies, and that would be Ryan Brady. I told you a little bit about him at the the top of the show. Uh, Of course, if there's a a big race going on around the country, you can probably guess that somewhere in the crowd, it's kind of like, where's Waldo? It's like, where's Ryan? And sooner or later, he will pop up uh, no matter where it is. So, uh, uh, Ryan, right now, of course, where would he be? Be, but down at the Pegasus Cup. Uh, so he, he's a, he's an interesting guy, uh, you know, another guy that got introduced to the game uh, through, through his family. Uh, his father was involved as an owner trainer and an equestrian dentist, uh, which was his main occupation. So he grew up around the horses and uh, finally got to see racing around the Ohio circuit. And uh, that was basically up around thistledown what's now known as jack thistledown in cleveland ohio so uh anyhow that's that's a bit of a background uh ryan brady how are you doing how's the weather in florida
2: oh i'm doing great and it's just nice to be down here in florida it's probably in the 70s here and it's it's night now and everything and uh, it's just a nice break from ohio and the cold up there
1: oh and it just turned bitter my friend let me tell you uh what is the extended forecast looking like for saturday i believe we got seven uh, stakes on the card
2: um as of right now the last time i checked no i haven't checked today it's uh it's looking pretty good it's uh it's looking clear and everything but that that was the last time i checked i i'm not sure if it's like ohio down here or not If like the weather can change like every five minutes but as of right now it's it's looking pretty good
1: yeah, I guess you're always open to a rain shower, but they say that they move through uh, fairly fast. Well, uh, Ryan, like I said, uh, you know, I don't, don't uh, feel bad about the comparison, but just like Where's Waldo, you just seem whether I'm at the, the, the spiral stakes, the Kentucky Derby, uh, the Keeneland, uh, uh, you, you know, you just seem to the best of Ohio. You just you seem to pop up everywhere. Uh, how do you explain your, your enthusiasm just because you grew up with it as a kid?
2: Yeah, j- just because, uh, I mean, yeah, I did. I was, I was born into this industry and that. And, uh, m- most of my life, I mean, early life, it was just seeing, uh, thistle down and stuff like that. But it wasn't until, like, I seen cigar, like, on TV that I really became a, a big fan of the sport and everything. And I started to follow it on a national level instead of just a local level and that. And, uh, it didn't take until I was, like, sitting in a hospital for a year with, uh, going on undergoing chemotherapy with bone cancer that, uh, I found out about this group called Kids to the Cup and uh, through uh, Trudy McCaffrey who uh, started the organization and uh, her executive director John DeSantis who's a great friend of mine and uh, that uh, they allowed uh, kids uh, from kind of like preteen to teenagers to write essay contests uh, to go to these uh, events around the country. So I wrote one for the Santa Anita Derby uh, right when, after I was done with cancer and everything just describing in my essay that I didn't really get to see racing throughout the year and everything like that. And it would be great to go to the Santa Anita Derby and that. And, uh, through that essay, I, I, I won and they flew me full expenses paid out to see the Santa Anita Derby that year. And it couldn't have been a better one because it was, a uh, up until American Pharaoh was the greatest horse I've ever seen. And that was point given winning the Santa Anita Derby and just a romp and that. So, um, uh, I pretty much became really hooked from that point on through kids to the cup, because I mean, a lot of their, their, trips and i even got a local trip up to this for some kids uh i organized that when i was younger and uh i mean just just through that organization just the contacts and and just the friends that i met uh, throughout the years i mean to this day it's just gotten me more and more uh, enthusiasm for this game and just wanting to give back to it just like they gave back to me and that that organization is no longer uh alive today but uh one of our former members uh it's trying to revive it. Uh, what, what I heard of, uh, th- this past year. So, I mean, hopefully he can, uh, he can get it back up and going or something like that because I mean it's definitely something the sport needs to get the younger generation involved in that because it's just done so, so much for so many young people getting them involved because I mean throughout the industry, uh, a lot of our members including myself are involved, whether you're an owner track management, uh, training uh bloodstock agent just just everything you can think of uh it's it just does so much for that and we we need that in our sport so i mean that's where i come from on a fan on a fan scale and, and pretty much my enthusiasm and why i'm still going to all these big races to this day
1: well i somehow i must have my camera on my uh computer because the word i have written down under your name is enthusiasm and then after that one of my questions was uh you know, not that you're you're wet behind the ears, but compared to, to me, you're a relatively uh, part of the youth movement uh, that enjoys racing. Uh, what do you think the sport needs to do to attract younger fans?
2: Uh, interaction is the most important part. Uh, trying to get them engaged as much as you can. Like if you like look like up at Thistledown, uh, if I see any young people on the rail, uh, it's kind of rare up there nowadays and that, to see them up there with the casino and everything that's moved in and that. But if I see any young people or something, I try to get them engaged. If they have questions, I answer them. If they want to see the horses, I bring them to them. And that, uh, if they want to learn more about the sport, I try to give them as much as I can and that. And uh, that, that's not just a thistle down. It's it's at any of the tracks I go around the country. I try to get them involved as I can. And if, if I can't get them directly involved myself, I try to get somebody that I know – uh, in contact with them so they can get involved in that just, just to spark their interest even more than, than just a one-time day at the track. And maybe you'll come back 10 years later as an adult or something like that. I, I want to keep them coming back more as frequent as they can, just w- with that interest sparked in that, whether, whether it's just to watch the ponies pay, pay to go to the big races or, or possibly just get them uh, maybe in just picking winners in that. Maybe once they get older, uh, they, they can start handicapping in that just uh, the uh, pure knowledge of just trying to figure out picking out a winner just uh i mean if they're if they're into that like uh like a uh, math class or something if they're interested in that i mean it's it, it's perfect for like stats class or something I don't know how many projects I did in, in school myself just using horse racing uh in my math uh, <laughs> projects and that just to go through and that and and uh, i mean it, it got me a a good grade out of math I, that's probably the reason the only reason I passed math class because of the projects like that but uh i i mean it's just not just a good learning experience, the full experience overall, just for yourself, the fulfillment and uh just just everything else enthusiasm wise just pleasure everything
1: well uh back in back in the eighties uh When I was watching races, and uh, you were probably riding a tricycle, uh, if you were born, there was a fantastic horse in the state of Ohio by the name of Glacial Princess, and she pretty much developed into this beautiful steel gray filly and mare that came out of the gate and just said, "Catch me if you can." And it didn't matter if she was going six furlongs, she was going a mile and an eighth, going against the girls, going against the boys. She was a phenom. She went on to become two-time Ohio Horse of the Year. And uh, she was really kind of built like one of the boys, quite frankly. And it was she just had the amazing verve and spirit. It was great to watch her run. Of course, uh, sad to say, uh, in Ruffian-esque style, uh, she broke down, and when she did, she just kept trying to run, and she was her own worst enemy when the injury happened. So uh, she was uh, uh, laid to rest in the infield at Beulah Park. Her owner, Dr. John Graver, I believe, was one of the investors in Beulah Park at the time. And so she was a uh, believed to be interred there. Since then, we know that Beulah Park's been shuttered, and it's going to be developed to some extent, and we're not sure what right now. Uh, Fill us in on on your interest. i got about four minutes left uh, on how you got turned on to the story, and then what happened this past weekend because of some of your efforts. All right. Well,
2: about uh, almost three years ago now, uh, 2014 was the last year Beulah Park was operating. Uh, My fiancé has never been down there. She wanted to see it before it shuttered, so we took the trip down there. I was there, raced a horse there, uh, stabled there for one season, so I, I was familiar with the place. I wasn't as familiar as the locals, but uh, we wanted to go see it one time, say our goodbyes, pay our respects to a track that was important for so many horsemen in Ohio for so long, uh, as well as history. So we went there, we're watching the races, uh, looking over across the uh, into the infield there, we see a monument. It's... Uh, glacial princess. I'm looking over. My fiance is looking at races. She looks over at me. She knows what I'm looking at. She asked me, what are they going to do with her when they develop this track? And that was what was going on in my mind when I was looking at it. So after we leave the track that day, I started on trying to find out contacts, trying to look for somebody to uh, help me out with a project to get her moved. and relocated somewhere else for the proper burial so she can rest in peace instead of getting a house built on her or a parking lot that was my biggest fear. So, uh after going for 2 years the runaround from uh the owners who owned the track at that time and uh the city departments of Grove City, um I was on a post Barbara Livingston. She was trying to do the same thing for a horse name uh, Springsteel in uh Rockingham Park. But anyways, uh Charlotte Farmer, who uh, handled the NOR uh, removal from California to uh, old friends. Uh, same thing, she had a horse removed, champion removed from California to old friends. Uh, she contacted me and told me, she said, hey, I know the exact departments with the city that you need to contact. So she uh, gave me those contacts, the departments. I called them, got a hold of somebody right away, just like that. Uh, I got the right departments. The city of Grove City couldn't have been nicer. They contacted me. They put me in contact with a developer, the Kellys, and they couldn't have been nicer. They gave me their full blessings, made sure if I needed any permits or not, and that. And they and they said, hey, you know what? You, you just get get a backhoe out here and everything, and you do what you need to do. Well, the good thing was, since I, I started that project, since I started inquiring about it, my uh, friend John Queen, who's the nephew of Harold Queen, who who's uh, famous for... Uh, Teardrum and everything like that. Those horses. He uh, donated his row to me, and that. And he was in this project with me until the we, we started doing it this past uh this past weekend here. So I had him on board. So anyway, uh, we got it all set you're up. are gonna
1: have to fast forward to the end because my oh, yeah. producer's we're telling we're me I forgot about a to Yeah. Do.
2: Yep. Fast forward here to Saturday. We uh we we dig we dug for I don't know like six hours or something. Uh, for where, where they said she would be and uh, we couldn't find anything but a dog and that uh, so the thing I had to do because we couldn't find her and that because the archaeologist told us she could have been lost to the earth she may not have been buried at all or, or different stories wh- when we went so instead I just took the dirt where, where she was believed to be buried, because who knows, she might be still in there. I put it in my tote, as well as some dirt by the winter circle, by the finish line where she crossed so many times, a piece of the winter circle, and an uh, old daily double ticket from like the 1930s, and that. And I put it in that tote, and I took it down to Old Friends and Dr. Graver, who was her owner, has her headstone. He's going to send it down there, and that's how we're going to have to end up memorializing her, since we didn't find any any uh, physical remains of her. So that, that's that's the story there. Well, uh, on behalf of you,
1: on behalf of all horse lovers I, I want to thank you for your effort and somebody that actually uh, got to watch that that Philly race I mean back in the early 80s if you won 525000 that was a whole lot of money especially if you were just a state bred horse who knows what it would have been today but nonetheless a, a, a great champion and I, I think it was great of you to champion the effort uh, Ryan Brady uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned on the story and certainly when the memorial happens at Old Friends we'll let everybody know and I plan on being down there uh, to be a part of it so ryan brady thanks so much for being with us on winning ponies tonight all right thank you john okay that was ryan brady coming up we're going to listen to one of my favorite handicappers and on-air personalities dan ellman from the daily racing forum you're listening to winning ponies <laughs>
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com
1: All right. And with me, a man that's no stranger to the audience at Winning Ponies, I know that from uh, emails that I've gotten from everybody uh, complimenting uh, me on uh, every time I have Dan on the show, they love it. Of course, he's the Daily Racing Forum uh, Handicapping Editor at DRF.com. You see him on air, host of the Daily Racing Forum News Desk. And now we got DRF Live. Uh, if you ever want to have a fun afternoon, make sure you, you, you get on there with Dan and his, his varied uh, handicapping game. Guests, all of which are good handicappers in their own right, but it's always good to have differences of opinion, so when a huge race comes out like this, I try not to tap Dan too much, but the Pegasus World Cup, let's face it, it literally doesn't get any bigger than that, so with no further ado, Dan Illman, how are you doing? Doing great, John, Always, always fantastic to talk to you. Well, with a $12 million race, I thought I'd bring in the A-team, and I consider you the first letter of the alphabet. You know, it's been been a busy few weeks for the winner, but, uh, you know, I I try to stay up with your stuff. And and with all that's going on with the Eclipse Awards and the Pegasus, you've even had a chance to work on your Japanese.
3: I really have. You know, I've been following this whole uh, Japanese three-year-old situation. For folks that don't know, the Japanese three-year-old situation is they have two races, and whoever accumulates the most points in these two-race series automatically qualifies for a spot in the starting gate for the Kentucky Derby. And one of the two races is down already. Mount St. Legame won that race at the end of last year. And now something's coming up next uh, month, February 19th. It's the Hyacinth Stakes, and I've been very impressed with a three-year-old over there named Epicharis. I put a video of his last race up on my blog on DRF.com. It should be up on the homepage right now, so check it out. He's an interesting horse. If he wins or runs really well on that Hyacinth Stakes, Expect the Lonnie route, UAE Derby, and who knows, maybe into the gate at Churchill Downs.
1: I think I think Lonnie surprised a lot of people. I thought some people just thought he was a novelty at, at first, and though he didn't win any of those races, he certainly didn't disgrace himself.
3: Oh, he certainly didn't disgrace himself at all, and I think it really heartened the Japanese breeders and owners because Lonnie really doesn't, his running style didn't translate to American racing very well. He had no early speed, he was a bit of a lunatic, a typical quirky tappet. This horse has got a lot of speed and a lot of professionalism and from three starts so far, two wins at a mile and an eighth and a blowout win last time
1: out. He could be the goods. Well, uh, you know, last week uh, we we did have uh, the The Eclipse Awards uh, coming out of Gulfstream, and quite frankly, I don't think there was a whole lot of wiggle room for debate in most divisions. I thought that most of the winners, the, the cream rose to the top. Oh, I agree. I
3: think most of the divisions were really cut and dry, certainly the two-year-olds, Classic Empire and Champagne Room, very deserving winners, and even Horse of the Year. I mean, how could you argue with California Chrome's overall body of work? I certainly can see Arrogate getting the votes that he did. He beat California Chrome on the square in the Breeders' Cup Classic. But at the end of the day, not too many surprises, very deserving winners. We had an extremely exciting 2016, and the Pegasus World Cup kicks off which should be yet another tremendous year. I mean, California Chrome closing out his career in the rematch he wants against the Breeders' Cup Classic winner that vanquished him, Arrogate.
1: Absolutely. Well, when the Pegasus was still announced, I have to admit, my first reaction, I was kind of a skeptic, Dan. I'm like you got to be kidding me. You know, a million dollars to get in a race? I mean, you basically have to finish third to get your money back. And I was just scratching my head at whether or not they'd pull it off. I was just wondering, what, what was Dan Ellman's first reaction when you, you heard about the concept?
3: When I heard about the concept, I, like you, was a skeptic. After a day and a half and all 12 spots were filled, people put their money up in about a day and filled this thing up. I wasn't a skeptic anymore. This garnered excitement from the owners and the racing community pretty much from the start. And we look at the field. I mean, this has kept California Chrome in training for one last hurrah. I mean, Arrogate probably wouldn't have had his four-year-old campaign start this early. He has stayed in training. We've got some really good horses in this race. I mean, Key Nice and Shaman Ghost, they're solid horses. Breaking Lucky a nice little horse. Um, Noble Bird on his best day can run a big one. Personally, I understand understand. understand the concept. They want to make it the richest race, et cetera. That's why we got to have it at 12. I'd love to see eight. I really think eight would give you the cream of the crop because there's a little bit of filler in here. Uh,
1: You know, it's funny because that was the next question I was going to ask. I mean, let's face it. I think it's great that they got a, a full field, but I really think you can probably pretty easily put a line through at least four horses and that would get you down to eight.
3: Well, I mean, there are only so many top-top-flight handicap horses at the end of the day. A lot of horses, unfortunately, are injured. They retire early to go off to stud. So to fill the field of 12 top-handicap horses, that's a little bit of a chore. And just think, we don't have Gunrunner in here. We don't have Connect or the Cigar Mile. So if these horses decide to pass the race for one reason or another, you're stuck with a Semper Fortis or a Prayer for a Leaf or a War Envoy. You know, hard-hitting, honest horses that really don't belong in a grade 1 race worth twelve.
1: No, well, we're, we're going to get to that race. We'll probably use that as our highlight to the day. But uh, horses that, you know, were probably on the cusp are, are going to meet in another mile and an eighth race, the the fifth at Gulfstream Park, the Poseidon Handicap. Not bad, 400,000 uh, if this uh, series continues. I can see this race potentially being uh, graded down the road. Uh, there, there's certainly, you know, uh, some names in there that, that people would be familiar with, such as Cherry Wine, Made from Lucky, uh, My Loot, all horses that have been on the scene for a while and have collected their fair share of dough. But let's face it, I think the standout in here is Stanford. If you throw out his Met Mile, this horse is awesome.
3: No doubt about it. From a speed figure standpoint, this horse might have this field over a barrel from a pace standpoint. He should be on the lead or stalking a a long-shot stretch-out sprinter and ranger in paradise. He is way the horse to beat. He's a must-use in any sort of multiple-race wager. My one concern is the further they go from a distance standpoint, the less excited I am about Stanford's chances. I wonder how effective he truly is At a real mile and an eighth, and I'm not talking about a mile and an eighth three bull bullring like the Charlestown Classic, but it's Todd Pletcher at Gulfstream Park. And I mean, Todd's fantastic everywhere, but he just seems to double up down at Gulfstream. He's way the horse to beat, but if you want to take a shot against him, and I might take a slight stab against Stanford, it might be with Imperative, a horse who last time out was sort of playing Midnight Storm's game out in Southern California. A race with no pace, he was forced to be closer than he usually is, and that's not his running style. In this race, they're going to take him back. They're going to try to make one run, and maybe at a mile and an eighth, that'll be the great equalizer. Even if he doesn't get the pace he needs, he's a hard enough trying horse uh, that deserves another shot. That last race really isn't a true indicator of his talent.
1: You know, and it is funny because you've got a lot of familiarity, I think, with with some, with some of the, the connections that are down there. I mean, for Todd Pletcher to move his show from New York uh, to the Miami area. And to win at a 36% clip, and it seems like just daily he's unleashing these well bred maidens uh, that are just been killing some fields. I mean, he is loaded for bear. And it's every year.
3: I mean, every year he comes down to Gulfstream, and this is a barn that wins between 22 and 25% yearly all over the country. But you come to, they come down to Gulfstream towards the end of the year. They gear up for this championship meet, and like clockwork, it's 33%, 35%, and, and their horses just thrive down in South Florida, Stanford no exception, and made from lucky in his second start of the form cycle. You know, he's a horse that could certainly improve.
1: You're reading my notes again, Dan. You know, of course, Javier Castellano coming off an Eclipse Award-winning year, he's riding over 21% down there. And you know, at Gulfstream, some horses really like that course, and certainly, uh, you know, he he's won several times there. But he's kind of a distance special. A mile and an eighth is uh, right in his wheelhouse. Is one. 704,000 of his lifetime 996 going a mile and an eighth. So made from lucky, yeah, while Stanford's getting the headlines, you can't overlook the other Pletcher horse.
3: And he's always a horse that Todd's had a, a great deal of hopes for. He's not your typical brilliant type of early sort, and they had hoped that as he matures and as he got older, he'd improve. No, he missed a lot of time last year after running in New York, uh, but I think the time off might have done him some good, because last time out, I'm not going to take that loss too seriously. A, it was the layoff and be, Stanford just controlled that race with no pace. If there's a little bit more pace, I'd expect made from lucky to run better.
1: Uh, well, th- that's that's a look at the Poseidon handicap. Uh, again, we're, uh, we're on with uh, with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, we're getting ready to go to break, but before we do, Dan, um, kind of uh, tell our audience uh, what's going to be going on uh, this week with the forum, particularly on uh, not only this great day uh, in New York and uh, Miami, but uh, on the West Coast has got a pretty good series of races too
3: we got Sunshine Millions Cal Cup Saturday at Santa Anita. Head on over to video.drf.com. Free video handicapping analysis for all the big races at Gulfstream, Santa Anita. We've got some stakes at Aqueduct at Oaklawn in there. Uh, Some great stuff. And on Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock Eastern, live.drf.com. Mike Beer, Matt Bernier, and I will be on for for up-to-date handicapping analysis, post-scratches, and program changes. We'll take you through the Cal Cup Derby.
1: Okay, I wasn't sure who your co-hosts were going to be. I noticed that uh, you know Matt Bernier's been popping up now uh, more and more on television. I wasn't sure if they weren't going to uh, snatch him up and get him uh, d- down to Miami, but uh, you're, you're keeping him locked to the desk this weekend, huh? Can't
3: spare him, I'm telling you. I think Mac, Mike and Matt do a fantastic job. Mike, of course, is the head New York analyst now uh, for DRF.com in the paper. And we're really looking forward. This Pegasus card is fantastic.
1: It really is. I believe seven races altogether. So uh, you're going to be some busy boys on the handicapping front. And of course, always want to encourage my listeners to tune in. It's like spending a day up in the press box with some professionals and getting to uh, eavesdrop on their conversation and actually uh, get their selections right there uh, before you go to the window and and make your wager. Or if you're you're betting from home, whatever. It, it's it's a fun afternoon listening to you guys. I love listening to your your opinions. And again, as I said earlier. It's great to have varied opinions, but that's what this game is all about. Well, uh, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum is going to come back with us. We're going to take a look at a grassy race at Gulfstream, uh, the WL McKnight. That looks like probably one of the more competitive uh, cards that we'll look at today. And then, of course, we're going we're to move on to the Pegasus World Cup. Taking a little bit of a break right here. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
1: All right, and with me from the Daily Racing Forum is Dan Illman, uh, one of the more popular handicappers to watch and listen to, in the country, personally, in my opinion, uh, I, I love his delivery, love his style. As I, he just told us, he always has uh, some top handicappers to bounce his opinions off of. And uh, in a great card at Gulfstream. Uh, we'll turn our attention right to a kind of a rare distance, a mile and a half on the turf. Uh, but what's interesting is in the W.L. McKnight handicap, we have not only one, but two return winners of this race a twilight eclipse is going for his third win in the mcknight he won as a three-year-old in 2012 and then repeated in 2013 and then charming kitten a horse that kind of went off the grid for a whole year uh, won in uh, 2015 and uh, as we were saying off the air dan boy even the handicapper in this race was scratching his head
3: Ah, morning line, four-to-one favor on the seven Twilight Eclipse, and you understand why, as you mentioned. He's won this race several times. He's earned $2 million in his career. And this is a horse. He only won one allowance race last year. I think he ran really well in some starts, like the Bowling Green and the Sword Dancer. He was just put in against Flincher. You know, there aren't too many turf horses that can handle Flincher when that one's right. The turf classic was on yielding ground. If there's one thing I know about Twilight Eclipse, is he can't stand up on any turf course less than firm and the Breeders' Cup turf was simply a tough spot. He still can run at the age of 8 at 4-1 to one or less, however. I'm willing to take a wait-and-see approach, because even when Twilight Eclipse was at his best, there were times when he would find one better on the wind end.
1: You know, and you mentioned the competition of Flintshire. Uh, in the country, there's probably not... Uh... In the top five, you'd have to put the Big Hoss as far as horses that like to go long on the grass, and that was the other horse they ended up running behind last year. So if you're judged by the company you keep, Twilight Eclipse is going to be dangerous. But again, he's turned eight, only won one race last year. Uh, he does have a lot of third-place finishes, but he also has over $2 million in earnings and uh, comes out of the uh, Albert Raney barn. So Can't be overlooked, but uh, I want to ask you about Charming Kitten. It looked like he became a project uh, for the Ramseys. He was in training with Todd Pletcher when he won the McKnight back in 2015. For whatever reason, somebody talked him into giving this horse to Dermot Weld and bringing the horse over to Ireland. Looks like maybe that wasn't the best of ideas. And so, hey, you dance with the one that brung you. He's back with Mike Maker.
3: Todd, you know, got this horse really good last year when he won the McKnight. Then he won the Allen Jerkins as a 2-5 to five favorite should in a weak field. And they took a shot over there. And the competition without Lasix for Charming Kitten was just a little bit too much. I have no idea what we're going to get. We haven't seen him since August. This is a horse that needs distance. And a mile and a half is obviously no problem for him. But, again, you're taking a relatively short price awful layoff. He hasn't run in this country in about a year. Again, a horse that could easily win on his best day, but I'd love to have a horse with a little bit more recency, a little bit more form at perhaps a better price.
1: And uh, Dan Ellman from the Daily Racing Forum, who might that be? I like Dana Stein, a
3: former in here. That's the number four for Roger Atfield. I think his, his form's dirtied up. The Northern Dancer and the Canadian International were both paceless races, if you recall. Just look at those fractions, 53-4, and 52-3, respectively, for the half. Danish Steiner, former sort of a mid-pack one-run closer. He has no chance in races like that. But he ran really well both times. Last time out in the Redsmith Handicap, he was... He stumbled coming out of the gate. He was probably 3-4 wide throughout all three turns. He made this big, wide run into contention, got bumped at the top of the stretch. And he was second-best to bigger picture. He's going to be the favor on Sunday at Sam Houston and the Connolly. He was really game understand Steiner for, but finished the favorite Wake Forest in that race. I think he's cycling to this race in good form. He's working well for Roger Atfield. He's run well at Gulfstream in the past. And with the three and the five, two long shots providing some pace, he'll have something to run at finally.
1: Well, uh, what about uh, Albert Trani's other runner? While it doesn't have experience, it's won half its lifetime races in the six starts, and one of those was at a mile and a half. Uh, Sadler's Joy. That looks like a colt that could have an upside. And my God, by Kitten's Joy out of a Diana former mare, you know this horse should run on nothing but the weeds.
3: His races, his last three races, all wins in New York have hinted at stakes potential. This horse has an explosive stretch kick. He's going to get tested for class for the first time, but that just means you're going to get a price. And you're absolutely right. If you're picking one horse in this race with upside down the road, it is the 11 Saddler's Joy. Uncoupled stablemate made your morning line favorite, Twilight Eclipse. He's a horse I would definitely use, along with my top pick, Danish dynaformer and any kind of multi-race wager.
1: Okay, we're uh, talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, drum roll, please. It's time to move on to what is now the nation's, the world's richest race, and that is the Pegasus World Cup. It's an invitational, a grade one, uh, as we stated, uh, Gunrunner, because of the situation uh, with the EV1 outbreak in uh, New Orleans. Gulfstream Park found reason not to allow gunrunner to come into this race. I think he might have been, you know, considered one of the potential upstarts, but let's face it. I mean, the way that California Chrome has been training on the West Coast, and since he's really relished, it appears, over the Gulfstream Park course, that last work was an eye-popper, and they still say he did it easy. Uh, He's going to be a challenge, but so is his post position, and of course, Arrogate could uh, just be the, the, uh, the new... Racing freak. I mean, uh, when he tried his first stakes race, he only set a track record in the esteemed Travers Stakes. Came back and upset California Chrome uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, without a doubt, they're they're the top two. Uh, Dan, g- give me your give me your synopsis. It's not to say that. Uh, On on their best day, somebody like Noble Bird or Shaman Ghost couldn't jump up and beat them, but this certainly looks like those are the two heavyweight champs in here.
3: I mean, in handicapping this race, it goes back to that Eclipse vote. Uh, You know, you look at California Chrome's overall body of work, and you don't want to doubt him. You look at Arrogate's brilliant win in the Travers that you mentioned, and you just go to the Breeders' Cup Classic. at the end of the day, didn't they settle it that day? didn't California Chrome have all the best of it on the lead in the Breeders' Cup Classic and Arrogate's on the chase, and somehow Arrogate was able to run him down sort of vindicating that travers buyer speed figure of 122 popping another 120 and showing freakish potential. I mean, this is a horse now that he was just so impressive running down Chrome. I mean, if he ran second and got beat a length, a lot of people would have said, wow, what a tremendous performance for a horse only making his six-lifetime start. I agree with you. I, I think he has freakish potential, and Boy, I don't know, I'd just go back to the Classic. I just think the best horse won in the pl- in the Classic. He gets a better post position here. It may not be popular with a lot of racing fans, the Chromies out there looking to, to see California Chrome go off to stud on a winning note, but I, I wonder if Arrogate just, just has his number.
1: Well, you know, again, let's go back to the post positions, because should someone pop out there, one of the long shots, of course we know Noble Bird is at his best, when he's on the front. So I think that that's where Peru is going to try to put him. Uh, should somebody else press it, uh, whether Nealistic it be... will be close. The, yeah, the, yeah. Because that horse, since they put blinkers on him, uh, has really looked good. So he's breaking from the three-hole, Noble Bird for the four-hole. If something should happen and Arrogate, for whatever, you've seen it in a lot of big races, a horse will just not come out of the gate as fast as they could with a field this big. Arrogate could... Potentially get trapped on the rail, whereas the 12 hole is not where you want to be going a, a mile and an eighth a, at Gulfstream. It also gives Espinoza a chance to look over his shoulder and say, OK, where do I settle in? Who's where? You know, and it, as they've already clearly announced, they're not leaving anything in the tank with California chrome.
3: No reason to. This is his last start, and I think Victor is going to be putting the pedal to the metal out of the gate. And if there's one thing California Chrome has over Arrogate, California Chrome has become, as he's gotten older, a superior gate horse. The gate spring, bang. He is out of the gate, and Victor is going to send him because he doesn't want to get hung five or six wide out of there. You've got to wonder if some of these other jockeys on tactically inclined horses like Breaking Lucky and Shaman Ghost and War Story, they're going to try to float California Crow wide into the first turn, just simply trying to take out one of the two major contenders in this race, but... At the end of the day, if Victor breaks with this horse like he's been breaking, gets him in a good spot, and he's no more than 3-4 wide going into the first turn, he's got a big shot. Your point's well taken with Arrogate. He can be a half-step slow coming out of there, and that could be a disaster because he could be shuffled back in behind horses. Uh, This horse has just shown shown such a tremendous kick in the stretch, though. Um, You hope that there's no traffic issues, that both of these horses hook up, and we get another thrilling stretch uh, run just like the classic.
1: I'd be happy with a dead heat. It would be a great way to kick off the racing season. Well, uh, Dan Illman, thanks so much for being with us. One more time, remind our listeners what's going to be happening on DRF Live on Saturday.
3: 3 o'clock Eastern, live.drf.com. Uh, Matt Bernier, Mike Beer, and myself will be on with all of the live handicapping analysis, opinions, etc. for all these great races, Gulfstream, Oaklawn, Santa Anita, for their Cal Cup Sunshine Millions. And again, video.drf.com, free handicapping previews on the site right now.
1: All right, and that trifecta, headed up by Dan Illman, does a fantastic job. Dan, thanks again uh, for being with us on Winning Ponies. We'll be watching you on Saturday.
3: John, always a pleasure. Great talking to you.
1: Okay, well, that was Dan Illman. I want to thank Ryan Brady uh, for the first uh, segment, and I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to remind you, with all this good racing we've been talking about in North America, get your easy win forms at Winning Ponies, because we've been knocking them dead Particularly, had a good week at Gulfstream and your money will get lost in the pool. you can to make a big bet and not get hurt. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Englehart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.